The Wonderful World of Dark Lords, The Peddler's Tales, Cruella de Vil. Enclosed, a luxurious ankle-length coat of white tiger fur, the white background crisp as new-fallen snow, the stripes black as ink. The cuffs are trimmed with snowy owlbear feathers, and matching trim on the collar rises to dramatically frame the wearer's face. My illustrious patron, I realize it is unusual for me to send you a report that does not pertain to a specific realm, but you recently informed me that a single grain of truth can provide useful knowledge. I do not know if the tale I am about to relate contains such a grain of truth, particularly as I am still uncertain as to what specific sorts of information you seek, but it is a curious tale that I thought would be of interest to you. When I arrived at Sunnyside, a peddler was sitting outside the inn, hawking wares that supposedly came from all corners of the mists. This is not an uncommon sight, as my patron doubtless knows, and I had every intention of passing right by a cart full of goods that were every bit as genuine as Mommy Fortuna's carnival. However, the peddler caught my attention. Madam, madam, pardon me for intruding, but I have here an exotic item that speaks for itself, and its tail is one that you cannot miss. The moment I saw the telltale black and white designs, I knew what outrageous claim I was about to hear. Is that supposed to be a genuine Deville? Here, at a peddler's cart? Yes, and for only 100 gold pieces. I know, it's an obvious fake. This peddler, he's a liar, he's a fool. To betray his lie with a price like that. But I invite you to inspect it. It is authentic. It is as magnificent as any authentic Deville. And though it is priced at a pittance, it was not bought cheap. The tale of obsession and depravity that brought this treasure to my hands would chill even a worldly woman such as yourself. But not enough to blind you to a bargain, I hope. I studied the coat more closely. To this day, my brother keeps up with the fashions from Daemonlu, and I've seen him poring over many a drawing of a DeVille original. This appeared authentic, and yet... I'm interested, but not convinced. You say there's a story? Tell me. The tale begins in one of the great crowded cities of the West, beyond the Balanox. There, dynasties of wealth and power do not die peacefully. They rot away slowly, fouling everything around them. The DeVille family was one of the most debased, their estate reduced to a crumbling family manor dubbed Hell Hall for all the rumors of devil worship and worse that swirled around it. If devils did haunt that manor, even they must have blanched at what they saw during the childhood of the family's last daughter, the terror who would bring the DeVille name to fame and ruin by designing garments like this coat. But at the beginning, she was nothing but a girl, no spawn of hell, merely a child obsessed by her appetites and lethally indifferent to the innocent. And her name was Cruella. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And I'm Chris. <laughs> so you caught me in the middle of a deep breath. <laughs> I didn't want to sound like I just ran in the door to the podcast. Oh, and I'm Chris. I'm here. <laughs> and we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread, except sometimes we can't. And when that happens, we have the Peddler's Tales. Today's story, Cruella de Vil. Welcome! Welcome to our first of what we hope will be a long-running series 
that was our our co our hunchback co host and podcasting associate Chris suggested this format, mm-hmm. the Peddler's Tales, uh, because there is a lot of great Disney material that we would like to include in the podcast that we would like to Raven Loft eyes a bit, but it does not quite fit the sp- very specific medium of converting it into a Ravenloft domain. And just for those who didn't listen to this announcement in our Robin Hood episode, we're not going to be uh, producing these in lieu of the domains like on a regular basis, but this time, this is our dog days of summer. Yes. And because our summer is ridiculously busy. Pretty we, banana boats. By this point, it's August, so we have overnighted in... Three different states and visited several others over the course Something of three like that, weeks. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's banana boats. So this is short, or that's the goal. Look, that's the goal. So it's going to be short. <laughs> then we're going to go back to our regular episodes next month. So yeah, Chris, we've been we've been talking, and this whole thing was your, your idea. idea. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the genesis of it? Sure. Um, <laughs> well, it started with Home on the Range, and I want to <laughs> emphasize as all good things. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I, I want to make sure to say Home on the Range again and again, because if I do that, you can't edit it out. The fans will know, the listeners will know, <laughs> this is about Home on the Range, and I really want to come back to do Home on the Range. Um, <laughs> and as I was thinking about how to make that happen, I thought, like, what, what you guys need on this feed is a format that is about things that can't really be domains or dark lords, but can be fit into Ravenloft some way that allows you to just talk about the interesting part. Um, because some things, for example... Uh, home on the range only have one good part <laughs> and it would be great if you could just like pull that out and podcast about that and then throw the rest away it, yeah so home on the range does deserve to be thrown away dear listener we are 20 minutes into home on the range no we're about halfway, about halfway through home yeah, on the range yeah. at this point and can confirm yes i was about to jump out the window and only a slim song happened and mm-hmm. then i fell off the couch laughing yeah, so you yeah. know and, and it was that was the reaction i was supposed right, to have right it was so, good yeah. it was a good scene <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I'll say I think Alameda Slim is a good villain. I, I, I mean, I don't want to pre-talk this too much for the inevitable Home on the Range episode, but I think he's <laughs> he's a very strong, a very strong antagonist. But yeah, so so I think the idea was here, like number one, this allows you to cover all that stuff. But number number two, because within the fiction, like D is getting it from this third party, it, these things don't necessarily have to be true, which is to say, like canonical within this world you're building. It's just stories that people tell. So like. If you like it, then it happened. And if you like some of it, then like some of it happened. But like the peddler does not have to be exactly well-informed or honest about everything. So it's very low stakes. It's just like, here's some ideas about stuff that wouldn't fit in a regular episode. If years from now we sit bolt upright in the middle of the night because we figured out how to make a wonderful, amazing domain out of home on the range. We're not like <laughs> locked in. Like, no, we already did that in our fictional universe canon. The domain of home on the range, your torment is that you're watching home on the range. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like up until the Alameda Slim song, I thought it was worse than Chicken Little. Yeah. It was oh. so bad. <laughs> That would be, that's very like the yellow sign, like the story where the, the GM prepping the domain is the Dark Lord, and like only at the end do they realize. <laughs> the monster at yeah. the end of this book is mm. <laughs> The Dark Lord being tormented in this domain is me. And we were really happy that you came up with this format because we did have a couple of things that we wanted to do with, you know, people who worked great as Ravenloft yeah, NPCs, yeah. but not as Dark Lords, like the one we're going to be talking about today, Cruella DeVille, because she doesn't really have a torment. Like, yeah, yeah. Our, our four great qualities of a Dark right, Lord, right. Like, she doesn't have any of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> her own element of 
tragedy and relatability is who among us hasn't wanted to wear a coat right. made of puppies. <laughs> like, so. you could make an act of ultimate darkness with the wanting to kill puppies and make them into a coat. <laughs> But she doesn't even do that. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, we've we've all worn a dog as a scarf, but like in a cute way, not in not like Corella does. <laughs> not like that. Don't make it weird, Corella. <laughs> and just yeah, if this is a bonus one, so hopefully we have heard a regular episode before this, but we have those four qualities, and we wanted so badly to make Corella work because she's amazing. We could think of a ton of cool story hooks to have her interacting with PCs, but we just could not make her work as a dark lord of a domain. Plus, she's one of the iconic Disney yes. villains. So, like, you know, she she is on the cover of one of the villainous expansions because she has the iconic silhouette yes. that everyone immediately recognizes and is all excited that Cruella de is going to be in this game. Right. So. I think there's a reason Disney keeps coming back to Cruella de with remakes, with live-action remakes, with prequel live-actions, with animated sequels. Like, she's so great. So we have, we knew, like, really early on, we really wanted to make Corel Deville work. Does not really work as a Dark Lord. But now that we have the suggestion for a format of taking that and just having her as an NPC, as one of those missed wanderers they have in the Van Richten's Guide, and we have a format to do that regularly now, we, we sort of like, hey, Chris, this is a great idea. Can we use it for our thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Home on the Range. That's a great idea. How about Corel first? <laughs> As long as you say it, I don't care about the tone. It's fine. Edits together, the same. <laughs> and it meant that we got to put off watching Home on the Range for longer. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so our concept of Cruella DeVille, and we'll have the, we'll, for the Patreon, there'll be the sort of Red Mist Wanderer write-up. And we have this character that her backstory is a little mysterious because there have been different iterations of the character, different versions of the canon. We don't want to definitively say one or the other is wrong or right because you know they each have their fans. So what is known is at this point, we're kind of where our PCs might enter her orbit. She is this very wealthy, very privileged noble. She's seen as the heir to this kind of ancient, decayed House of Usher-esque <laughs> noble line called the Devilles. And this is something worth talking about in the book. They go into some of her like family stuff a little bit more. And Chris, why don't you tell the listener about that? Uh, it, you know, I, I think the important thing here. You mentioned like it, there are different iterations of the character, uh, and uh, I did try to watch Cruella. Um, didn't I? Didn't make it all the way, but um, neither did we. we. <laughs> You know, uh, without coming down on any particular version of the character as inferior or superior, I think the through line that, like, what's iconic is you have this, like, decadent character who is – everything is crumbling. Like, the the wealth seems to be gone. The property is in decay. But she still has status. She still has that swagger. And on a personal level, there is something so deeply wrong with Cruella – she yes. she is not like someone who's just like a, a decent person in a bad situation or just sort of like ignorant privilege. You, you can see where this is a person who ends her wealthy family because there are all <laughs> these little details about like how uh, like she she has a cat that she hates, but it's expensive. So she can't kill it. But she routinely kills its kittens. Um, she was <laughs> expelled from school in Cruella for fighting in the book for drinking ink. Um, she, she always needs it hotter. Like she can never be hot enough. And so like I in any weather, the fire is sweltering, all that stuff to me indicates 
yeah, like her backstory would be unclear because whatever happened in her childhood, it was bad enough that her family spent a lot of its resources covering it up. <laughs> the always being cold thing that actually works really well. We've we've mentioned, I think, in the Hunchback episode, actually, the idea of the um, the evil NPCs who just have failed a couple power checks mm-hmm. here and there, but aren't, aren't dark lords yet. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the thing in Five E? The like dark something or other like, dark gifts, dark, dark gifts. Yeah, it's it's kind of the the way that it carried over into Five E that you like have something that you can do that's like a gift to you from the dark right. powers, but then there's also some kind of curse they gave you too. In uh, if you're mostly familiar with Ravenloft from Curse of Strahd, this is kind of where they're getting the inspiration for. I believe it's pronounced Izek, the captain of the garden, Valaki, Valaki, whatever it is, <laughs> that one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but this whole that he's kind of manifested this like demonic arm that lets him shoot fire and it's just happening because he's such an evil person mm-hmm. so that's sort of with that they're getting that concept that if you are an evil person in this setting you will kind of your externality will start to reflect the monster with them so you could do something with it she you know failed the powers check from killing some yeah. kind of sentient creature you and probably skinning got it. lots of options yeah <laughs> And so now she has to have fur in order to stay warm. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Cruella. And, like, some other, like, gift that came along with it. Something, 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 something. But that's kind of the, the curse aspect of it. It's now she's always cold because she needs something else's fur. Yeah, and I, I think that the, the vagueness works for you in the backstory as, as we see going forward. Like, I think it's going to help with what her current situation is, too. Because she's so much more powerful as a character who is just, like, deeply messed up for reasons you can't put your finger on. Like, the... Sometimes you're taken aback by how cruel and how evil someone is, not in like a way where you're afraid of them, just in like you suddenly realize that someone is is an honest to God psychopath. And that's <laughs> that's what I like. That that's what I like from Cruella. And it can be vague. It's like, was she like, you know, did she live on the street doing crime just because she loves to hurt people for a while, even though she's rich? Maybe. Like, did she what did mm-hmm. she get expelled from school from exactly? We don't know, but something pretty bad that her family couldn't cover for her. We, it's better if we don't know. And in the same way, like, it's not like she's secretly a warlock or, like, something like that. She just She's just all messed up. <laughs> and this is – there's a neat thing in the book as well where they're talking about, you know, if you ever wanted the estate and being named Hell Hall seems a little on the nose even for the DeVille family. <laughs> in the book, it's this whole – it's not – like, they didn't name it Hell Hall – it was this, like, sort of the DeVilles oh, built yeah. this giant estate and the baron or count or whatever was living there and there all these weird rumors started and there was a line about how, like, people wouldn't let their kids play, like, anywhere near there and, you know, just all these strange things happened and eventually a stormy night of a pitchfork-wielding mob attacked <laughs> and the guy, like, rode out <laughs> in his carriage to escape them and just kind of, like, disappeared in a flash of lightning. I'm apparently the only one who didn't read this book, and I'm missing out. Yeah, no, it's something. <laughs> it's something. Um, if you don't mind me, like, introing this next part, because you guys wrote this, and I want to I wanna talk about it, if that's okay with you. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, one thing I like here, and this is a small detail that you added, but um, it, especially for Cruella as she appears in uh, in the Disney movie, I think there we, we're not sure how successful she is or how much, like how big a deal she is as a designer, but here you've mm-hmm. specified that now in these places in Ravenloft, like Borka or like Mordant or in Damon Lou, where you would expect like fashion to be a big deal, that she is a known quantity and she's like, uh, you know, she is a big designer. I think that's a great mm-hmm. touch for the character because it, it connects her to those settings. It allows you to like see to her ahead of time. You know, you, her name can be dropped before she appears. 
And it, I think it's going to make player characters think of her in a different way. It's like, this is someone who is like a name NPC mm. in the setting and is therefore, you know, you have a little while before the PCs decide it's time to kill her. It's like, she's, you know, she's going to be involved in quests and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, before it's time to fight her, if it ever is. Um, so I really like that. Like, you know, she's going to be the darling of powerful NPCs who you don't want to mess with. She's, you know, even if she doesn't have money, that she's a favorite of the high society types. Yeah. Yeah, she she designed Ivana's wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's the thing is, you know, with Cruella, we're imagining how are the PCs. What do you do, Rachel? What do you do with it? And <laughs> we're imagining the PCs, you know, you're not going to necessarily have like a boss fight with her specifically. But if you kind of give her this sort of position of status and privilege, then that gives us a lot of ways you can put the PCs in her path. And you could have these sort of heavily armed transients can can be pulled into the orbit of this high class, you know, super successful, famous fashion designer. Yeah. And it can be either in an antagonistic way as she's like an enemy at the fight or even as a boss, as a hiring, as a source of quests, as you mentioned, as we're going to get into in a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And I like um, it, it ties her in also if you were doing the other things you've talked about on the podcast, like there are so many other domains where there's something sort of, um, there's something social, something uh, community driven happening where there's like a community leader of some kind who for that reason is sort of uh, not somebody you just fight. Cruella plugs into Mm -hmm. that so neatly that you could use her even across multiple other kind of Disney domains or, you know, Mm -hmm. or put her in wherever. I mean, she would fit in with uh, Lady Tremaine or, you know, Mm -hmm. any, anybody you care to, stick her in with. I mean, she, she would be a really good fit for, um, princess and the frog. Like that would be, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, she seems like she would fit in that world. <laughs> and we already put Madame Medusa there. And Madame Medusa is basically cruel at Yeah. So. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and so we are imagining that in this version, Cruella, we're taking from obviously the Cruella prequel movie that none of us had the, <laughs> the gumption. None of us quite uh, was our cup of our collective cup of tea. The trailers were so good. Yeah. Look, if you loved it, God bless you. Yes. It's just, it's not my, it was not my cup of tea. Please, please tell us what you loved about it. Sell us on it so we can watch it again through your eyes. Like, uh, liking things is better than not liking things. Yes, it is. <laughs> and also, this is coming from the uh, 2000s remakes with Glenn Close, where they kind of, I think, introduced that idea of Cruella as the very wealthy, very successful fashion designer, mm-hmm. which you know, makes sense. This mm-hmm. sort of a way of, what do we know about her clothes, sophisticated taste, weird taste. It really makes sense to make her this fashion designer mm-hmm. obsessed with things that are black and white. And kind of one of the inspirations we're taking for Cruella is our daughter went through a huge Wild Kratts phase a while back. If you're not familiar with the show Wild Kratts, it's like a kid's environmental show on PBS about how animals belong in the wild. Mm -hmm. And so they have these various villains who want to do various terrible things to animals, but in kind of, you know, a kid-friendly way. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, And so one of them is uh, Danita Donata. And she's basically their version of, you know, doing furs and alligator skin bags and stuff, but obviously she can't be full. I cannot believe Cruella was going to skin puppies. (laughs) Wow. Um, So she, like, you know, does various freezing, 
butterflies in cryostasis mm-hmm. that the wildcrats can then free them, but first tourism is earrings. And so kind of the idea of Cruella as this kind of Dunedin Anata figure where she is looking at all these magical creatures and instead of seeing wonder and beauty and amazement, she sees furs and she worships furs. She lives for furs. <laughs> You're probably going to hear that so- quote again. <laughs> <laughs> So she is, you know, the more strange and exotic and dangerous the animal, mm-hmm. the better. Just that, you know, it's especially if it's black and white. But anything that she can do to kind of be getting this this reputation of being this auteur who makes these truly fantastical, magical things that you cannot get from anywhere else. She's going for it. And the nice thing here is in this sort of classic D&D bestiary, you have so many animals that are basically sentient. Mm -hmm. Either like are just fully sentient or are functionally sentient that will be horrified if they were turned into a dress mm-hmm. or even just like we have kind of an emotional connection to and would be horrified if they were turned into a dress. <laughs> so like owl bears aren't sentient, but I think if someone like comes in with their owl bear cloak, uh-huh. a lot of a lot of D&D players are going to be a little squicked out by yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a great way to use her because again, it ties her into other D&D stuff. And also, I think it hits like, you don't want to pull the rug out from under the players too much with this, but I think it's the sort of atrocity that you can slip by as, like, flavor or even, like, a joke and then revisit the character later and be able to, like, not in a way of, you know, pointing fingers at the characters, but just, like, get that past them. And then later, when Cruella does something that hits closer to home for you, you're like, oh, right. Like, we always <laughs> yeah. knew this about her. Like, we didn't, we didn't really care that she was, you know, like making earrings out of like ropers or whatever but oh yeah they have a culture and a language like she just went into like a community of living things and and thinking beings and killed them for parts and we just like oh that that cruella de vil um <laughs> she's wacky yeah yeah like she we, we we were fighting lizard folk anyway and she paid a lot for their corpses and mm-hmm. and we find out that she made them into boots and that just that feels wrong that feels wronger than us killing them for their money <laughs> yeah and like it's it's nice when you don't like sometimes you want to do the thing where it's like you know are you the real monsters after all but it, it is maybe like less manipulative and less cliche to be able to somewhat indict the characters like complicity in that but also have them mm-hmm. be able to draw a line it's like you know we're pretty bad but we're not Corella deville bad <laughs> like there's really something wrong with her and we're gonna feel good taking her out yeah it's definitely I, I like what you said about starting out with something as being like a little icky and weird and maybe even played for laughs in the background and then escalating because then it's not kind of you know pulling the rug up from under the pcs that you thought that she was a saint and it turns out she's Corella deville right, yeah. it's like this is a this is a like scorpion and the and the whatever story. It's, I don't remember what the scorpion was riding on when it bit stung. Frog, I think. Scorpion and the frog. Yeah. yeah, you you knew what she was and you picked her up and it's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know. Got distracted by how fabulous she was. <laughs> how much the GM would vamp when he or she acted them out, acted Cruella out. I desperately want to hear your 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 pitch for this. It says here. Uh, your idea is that she is a hunter, but also someone who kind of employs others. And uh, like, I'm not going to give like an alternate take on that, but I'm, I'm interested in your thinking about it. I, I 
yeah, how, how would you how would you use her in that way? Well, I'm mainly thinking when you do get to kind of the boss battle that just the way sort of D and D works, you want to have something where they have those kind of more physical, direct, hands-on skills, mm-hmm. even if, like, they kind of play the role of sort of the manipulator. And so I'm imagining, like, the, I'll probably, I'm, I'm planning right now to say in the write-up, use the stat block of a scout or uh, one of the ranger-esque things from the monster manual just so she has those kind of skills that you would associate with kind of hunting and tracking and skinning and things like that. But functionally, we are all imagining her as much more of the sort of spider in the center of the web. Like, she Mm -hmm. has these minions, she has her Horuses and Jaspers, and they're the ones going out in the woods and clubbing owlbears over the head and things like that. Yeah, That makes sense, because you you want it to be that if the PCs do manage to catch her alone, then it's not an anticlimax. But that can, you know, not be her main mode. That, that way she does have the stats to back things up if the PCs take you by surprise and she is a boss fight, but it, hmm. it's not her big thing. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I, the anticlimax is a real... What, what do you think? It, 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 that's a real thing to consider. And that, that's... It's worth giving her something. Like, you don't you don't want it just to just to end. Um, I wonder the... Like, ideally, she would be something like maybe the 4E Warlord, maybe, where it's like you integrate into her mm. uh, in a mechanically central way that it's about other characters. It's about her support. Because I think there is something to the idea that she, like, when confronted, not that she folds, but, like, it, it defying her is kind of its own victory in a way. Um it's it's difficult because in 101 Dalmatians, you know, you're, they're dogs. So it's a different it's a different situation. But I would love to set up a conflict that kind of like kind of like what is it with Batman and the Joker sometimes where it culminates mm. in getting next to him. And at that mm. point, you just punch him like that's it. But <laughs> it, <laughs> you make sure that it's yeah. in makeup. <laughs> yeah. You, you make sure that it's never an anticlimax getting to him. Uh, and I think the way you do that is by having Cruella escalate and escalate and escalate like she's not the kind of villain who hides and like you know you work your way through all her defenses and then you finally track her down she's she's gonna come at you full force um and i i would love to see corella kind of um self-destruct and like that that doesn't really argue against this mechanical implementation but just in terms of like I, i wouldn't see this ending in a like a boss fight i would see this ending in like a total meltdown that kind of like changes the whole situation around her. Mm. We'll, we'll talk later about her, her carriage, but I think that would mm. be a great way to, that would be a great way to get to this. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause she treats right. her underlings so badly. So if you, if you manage to kind of like take advantage of that wedge and get her to drive her mm-hmm. underlings away, and then she's just a skinny lady in a fur coat, then you know, you've also won the victory there. So. And you could, you could do a lot of the um, boss fight stuff via just like magical, uh, magical gear, you know, that's mm-hmm. a nice thing. I should have a lot of jewelry. Yeah, even just you yeah, know the true. fur, yeah. the fur coat could be like some kind of super enchanted armor. Like mm-hmm. it has weapon attacks, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so that is the nice thing with D anD D that you can take a skinny human <laughs> and get, load them up with trinkets, and suddenly <laughs> they are like a decent boss fight. Yeah. So, uh, although obviously the main event is the employees, and you guys have a list here, um, I had to yes. look up one of them. Please, please, yes, please tell me about yes, these people. References. <laughs> Hope you like references, listener, because you're about to get a bunch of them. This is a way we can work in a bunch of stuff. You can tell, listener, by the way, that Chris is the one among us who's been podcasting for years because he's the one just moving us along. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, very well. I get to, I get to go and get a refill. I, I had I, I just had a very weak thematic drink. I, I'm actually drinking a Dalmatian, <laughs> which I finished and has 
Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect thematically, but it only has a, a mere shot of vodka in it, so. Ah, shame. <laughs> we are going to talk a little bit more about this when we get into the adventure section, but the nice thing with Cruella, and I really, really wanted to do her on this format as an NPC, is she has these sort of three spheres that she can be a part of. And the one is the obvious, like, high society that we've been kind of talking about. But then you have the more wilderness, hunter, ranger, corrupted druid, like, the legitimate puppy purchasing. Like, she's just sending people out that mm-hmm. are hunting owlbears or lizard people or whatever, but are just doing what normal adventurers do. But then we also have the criminal, which is this underworld, if you have the idea of restrictions on animals, endangered species, animals are protected, laws against sentient beings, to turn these sentient beings into parts, <laughs> things like that. Then she also needs to have kind of a foot in that criminal underworld, you know, uh, endangered species smuggling Tiger King type, <laughs> type network. <laughs> and that gives us so many options for NPCs. So I'm just going to rapid fire some references at you at listener. And uh, first off, we obviously have Horace and Jasper, mm-hmm. and we're imagining using thugs as the staff block for them. That's our big, kind of big underworld connection. We have that with, uh, they're watching the show, What's My Crime? And they know the guy that's on it. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is a, like, yeah, they're very, like, connected. They know a lot of the criminal networks. They know whose door to knock on to get this particular, who's smuggling what, or who can get you counterfeit papers or whatever. They've got that kind of criminal background ability. And yeah, Chris, you had a thought about their, uh, their, combat abilities also so why don't you yeah and and i was mentioning to you um off mic that you your response to that comment was exactly what i was going to say which is just that the the way that horace and jasper function in the movie like it, it's so important that the protagonists are dogs because there's not really a question of just like defeating horace and jasper it's not really about that um and i think there's a way to do that in D. like if i'm using cruella for a low level party which i think is what i would do I would have Horace and Jasper be like, they could be like trolls, but also Mm. like the worst thieves in the world. And they're like, (laughs) everybody knows them because they've been caught a million times. Like they've spent a lot of time in jail. They can't do anything, but they, but they regenerate. (laughs) They're extremely tough. They're extremely strong. Um, And so they just keep coming back. And so they are like the, like bottom of the barrel, just like they make sure that no one can physically attack Corella, but they are Mm -hmm. just inviting PCs to trick them, trip them, get them stuck in things, you know, like, you know, make a noise in another room and then they go in, like anything but fighting them head on is almost bound to work. And I think it would feel really good as a low level party to take on such a, such powerful foes relative to you Mm. through trickery. And it would at the same time serve the GM's purpose of saying, All right, this is not going to be a fight. I've put these two here to make sure this is not a fight scene because you will lose the fight. But literally name any other way of exerting your will on another being, and it will work on Horace <laughs> and Jasper. <laughs> and uh, that puts the PCs in the role of being Dalmatian right, puppies. Great. That's great. Yeah. Such a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what it does. It, it makes it so that, yeah, they get to do, they get to kind of scamper around and be tricky and and all the stuff that we that we love about the movie. Yes. And like, even just they get to be small but quick and clever and have these big dumb doofuses <laughs> who physically outmatch them. So it's even just naturally going to emulate those scenes in the movie mm-hmm. and it's, oh, it's a great idea yeah and the, to me the regeneration is key because what that means is that you can put one over on them like you can do physically like you know you can do what um they do in the movie and like you know kick them through a wall you know you just do whatever to them 
but they will come back. So if you beat them in combat, you then have to run. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The other one I definitely want to include is McLeach, who is the bad guy, if you remember, from Rescuers Down Under, because <laughs> it's so perfect. He is your evil ranger. He wants to get the golden eagle uh, because he's that kind of bad nature-hating, just kills animals, hunts animals, destroys the environment with his big truck. So if we're talking about Cruella having these employees that are sort of evil rangers, we've already got one in Disney canon, and that's a way to work in Rescuers Down Under. Mm-hmm. And then this final one is a bit of a stretch, but I really <laughs> love to no, make I it No, I love work. this one. And All we, right, we, go we, ahead. We, we teased him in, uh, in Last Unicorn. Yes, we did. So uh, that would be Dr. Terminus from Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon, with his baby. traveling snake oil show where he wants to, you know, <laughs> find the dragon and to, dragons oh, can clear up your skin, all, all that other stuff. So he's a con artist. He's a quack alchemist. He's, you know, he's a druid doing his quack alchemy things. He uh, brews bizarre concoctions from the parts of the magical <laughs> creatures. Some of them actually do things. Some of them don't. But he can, he can show you that it came from magical creatures because he's got, you know, the various parts of him mounted on his walls. So there's a lot of them that Cruella doesn't use. Mm-hmm. She'll take the fur and then... She doesn't need the liver or whatever. Yeah, she doesn't need the liver or the eyeballs or whatever. And so she gives that to Dr. Hermes and he can have his you know, bizarre, bizarre potions that he's selling. And this is especially great, not just because it's a super obscure reference and we're proud of ourselves, but because... This come rolling in. can be your kind of in... So then bringing in Krell as an NPC. Uh, this guy's like the much more low level, but he could be part of her network and working for her. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of this like traveling medicine peddler druid <laughs> who wants to like get these magical animals and make them into aphrodisiacs and stuff is just mm-hmm. delightful. A great sleazy villain to fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you you fight him. He's kind of low level. But then you kind of get that he's working for, he's part of this bigger network that's doing this bad thing. So that can be the thing that kind of leads you then into Cruella. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're sort of more in the isolated, you know, you're in the random village of the week. And then this like medicine peddler rolls in. (laughs) And you're like, oh, we have to go to the big city. Take out his boss. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it occurs to me uh, that if you were to use this as an overarching plot to string together a few of these different like Disney villains and domains, that then gives you a way to interface with some of the like animal in peril stories from Disney that don't naturally lend themselves to Ravenloft Mm. so that you could do like, you know, a Dumbo or something like that, or, you know, whatever. If there's an animal in trouble that fits naturally into like people who are finding and abusing exceptional animals for profit. Don't take Dumbo's ears, Dr. Terminus, you son of a biscuit. (laughs) Oh man, I never think about Dumbo. Of course, they they give you flight. You you could get a flying talisman. (laughs) Hard defense. It's brilliant. But other than that, yes, quite a a score. (laughs) So those are... We got to talk about this car. We got to talk about this. No, yeah, yes, like, yes. Like, so, 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 the second we, we, gotta, we, we gotta hit the thirty. The we yes. hit the thirty minute, but but go ahead and <laughs> do the car, and we'll move on to part car. two. Yeah. Listen, so I don't think we mentioned this at the beginning. We wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to be a two-hour episode because mm-hmm. these were supposed to be little quick bites. So we have a literal timer going in the background. We've gone over, but <laughs> but only by a little bit. Uh-huh. But one thing we wanted to include was Cruella's car. It's such an important part of her. It's so distinctive. So many of the kind of iconic shots of her are in the car glaring. The car has the great little angry mm-hmm, face mm-hmm. with the headlights. And even just, like, it so fits her personality, this sort of, like, reckless driver. The mm-hmm. kind of the anger, the power, the impatience, the recklessness. It's such a good expression of who she is as a character. We had to include it some way. And Chris, you thought of an 
excellent way to work that into a car automobile free D D setting. <laughs> this this is the thought. This is the pitch. So what we have is like what appears to be a coach pulled by like the finest Novavasan horses, but they are the remains of those horses stretched <laughs> over this like animated construct frame. She literally like bought the most expensive horses and killed them so that she could dress up <laughs> constructs <laughs> as them just for like just for fashion. Um, they are faster and tougher than regular horses, but if she pushes them too hard, then like the, the hides start to split and like the parts start to fall off and the apparatus underneath is revealed. And that's what actually pulls this, this coach, right? So she is that way she can go to like the high society stuff. You get the duality of Cruella's car, which is that it's nice, but it has this like, like her, the engine inside of it is this like overwrought self-destructive evil thing. Like as she gets under more stress, it just everything falls apart. Um, and that way she can like drive the horses recklessly. And Katrina had the idea that it needs to be fueled by something that you put in their mouths. And I was thinking it would be cool if you like hold their upper teeth and their head goes all the way back over. Oh, and then you yeah. pour like the fuel down their throats. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and they go. <laughs> <laughs> like the reindeer from Santa Claus. Like the reindeer Claus, from dude. Santa Claus, yes. Oh, Chris, you know they're Nova Foss and horses. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Players all grown up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, had to do a thing in Nova Vasa. Skies <laughs> like them, their horses. <laughs> they sure do. So one last part of that first Mist Wanderer write-up, talking about the Mist Wanderer himself, is we have those role-playing traits. We have the role-playing trait, the ideal, the bond, and the flaw. Those are in the form of quotes. And so, of course, we want to provide you with quotes as well. Not that I think you need much help role-playing Krella DeVille. <laughs> if you've seen 101 Dalmatians. But... For the purpose of our craft, we want to do this properly. So I've picked out a couple of quotes. Uh, some of them I have very strong mm -hmm. sense of that they're either A, going to be in the write-up, and B, possibly right where they're going to be in the write-up. Uh, there's one right you already did, you can probably guess, is going to be significant. Others just, I think, are good moments expressing her character. <clears throat> so... This is when she... Some of them are a bit situational. It's always the tricky thing with these actual quotes from movies, not quotes we make up because we're writers. Yeah. So this is when she's trying to buy the puppies originally. Come now, I'm being more than generous. Blast this pen. And then, of course, you idiots, you fools, you imbeciles. <laughs> Third, I have my only true love, darling. I live for furs. I worship furs. Oh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, tickle in my throat. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just, that is the only thing she cares about. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's her only true love. Yeah, the only <laughs> the relationship that matters to her. Her only true love. I, I, I feel, maybe, yeah, I don't think anything else can no. possibly be her bond. You are with that, Chris? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the only other meaningful connection she has to others is kind of like her impatience with and like kind of low-key hatred of her underlings. But I don't think she's invested in them, you know, so it's not a good bond. No. Like, that's her attitude. And that could be like a role-playing trait or whatever. But yeah interchangeable for her, I think. And this is part of that same scene where she's trying to buy the puppies originally. Oh, well, in that case, I'll take them all. The whole litter. Just name your price, dear. And I, I like that as uh, Cruella being nice. That's like Cruella's sort of putting her best foot forward. That's her and her best behavior, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, then this one, I, I really think I have a very strong sense of this one. I'm through with all of you. I'll get even. Just wait. You'll be sorry. You fools. You you idiots. <laughs> that's, that's when they refuse to sell the That's when they refuse to sell the puppies, yeah. That I I really think that would be a good candidate for flaw. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just the, the temper. 
it's the whole the wounded pride. Because if you think about it, like she bought, she had what 85, 84. 84 legitimately purchased puppies. She probably could have found 15 other Dalmatians for sale at pet stores. But all this whole thing on raffles, she maybe goes to prison because she wanted those puppies. Because Roger said no to her. Mm-hmm. Roger told her to stood up to her and told her to leave the house. And she's like, no, I'm gonna get you back. You wounded my pride. So I'm gonna do this incredibly stupidly unnecessarily dangerous thing. Because I'm gonna get even. <laughs> Yeah, agree 100%. I think that's like, mm-hmm. and and the way that she, it reminds me of, um, what is it like, they say it's like a test for, for being like a psychopath or a sociopath or something, you know, the one I'm talking about the one where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the thing about like the funeral, whatever. Um, I, I think that like, that level of like, you wouldn't consider that someone would react in this way to something so small, but to her, it's just all the same. That is such a distinctive mm-hmm. thing of, of Cruella. Her, her overreaction and the fact that she doesn't even she she does not hesitate to put in all her chips on the smallest thing yeah because yeah, someone yes. upset her yes and i also like with that one do you get the hair trigger temper because you know we've got like maleficent is a ridiculously petty right, and yeah. villain also but she doesn't completely lose her ever-loving mind right, like, right, she's, right. she's, she's cool off, and controlled yeah. the entire time she doesn't scream that they're fools and imbeciles and yeah cruella is not that <laughs> she's no maleficent <laughs> So this is when she comes in just because it's, you know, on the Disney Villainous cover. It's the Disney Villainous expansion name. Miserable darling as usual. Perfectly wretched. I love that, but I, I don't know, know where yeah, it would yeah, go. It's yeah, just mm, but I love it. A little, little flavor for the for the listener. I don't care how you kill the little beast, but do it and do it now. Now listen, you idiots. I'll be back first thing in the morning and the job better be done. I'll, I'll call the police. Do you understand? <laughs> oh, no, you don't. We'll find the little mongrels if it takes till next Christmas. Now get going and watch your driving, you imbeciles. There, there's some common DNA here. I think if we just pair these yeah, one yeah. of these quotes down to you imbeciles, I think that <laughs> that covers a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah. There's so so much so much of that going on. I do have the one that's just you idiots, you fools, mm-hmm. you imbeciles. Yeah, role playing trade. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I just this. It's very situationally specific, but I had to include the scene where she's just sweet, simple Anita. I know, I know. This horrid little house is your dream castle, and poor Roger is your bold and fearless Sir Galahad. Honestly, I really yeah. like that for trait because she's just, she's so. Uh, All right, this is this is a PG rated podcast. It's the only word. She's such a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're kind of bleep that, but it's true. And just she's you know so a word just, she just said. <laughs> just mean girl. So mean. And, yeah, she's a she's a witch. That's what I said. That's what we believe. <laughs> she's a witch. And like she's, it's the same thing. She's like putting her best foot forward. She's like trying to charm them. Uh-huh. This is Cruella on her best behavior, yeah. and she's just awful. And just, uh, I, I have had frenemies. So listeners, I'm sure you have had frenemies. This is such a great freneminess. Just, oh, my, I love this. I love it have, so I'm just much. kidding. Yeah, oh. um, <laughs> it, it, it's such an important part of, of Cruella, and like without getting into, you know, slamming the movie Cruella, I, that was a part of it that didn't sit right for me is the fact that there's a part of this where they kind of try to give her this Cinderella story where she's like working is, you know, she's like mm-hmm. cleaning up this place. And and it's important to Cruella. It's not just that, just that she's mean. It's that she's oblivious. Like she doesn't understand yes. what it is to have a regular life. And it doesn't mm-hmm. – she doesn't think twice about the just the casual like cruelty and condescension that she shows toward people. I think it's so important that she 
doesn't have life experience that would teach her that because she's awful, but she's also ignorant. Yeah. In the book, there's uh, an earlier scene where she f- kind of finds out they're pregnant before she tries to buy them. And she comes in. They've, like, made this date that she's going to come over. And she leaves. And Roger's like, you were really friends with her at school? And Anita's like, no. She, she, I hate, like, she she made things my life hell. It's like, no, she tormented <laughs> me the entire time. And you're like, you don't have that in the movie, but you totally get that this was like Anita's bully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they were not, in fact, friends at school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, whatever way we need to do that, I, I, I don't know if no. that actual quote will do it. But yeah, that's that that is a key thing about her for sure. I, I, I put it tentatively down for trait because we're all just like, we must have this. Yes. And once again, I can see this being how the PCs interact with her. Mm, yeah, but she's nagging them. Yeah, constantly. she's nagging them, oh. and one, yeah, and maybe I think I just gotta like put it in as is and just kind of trust the listener. Yeah. And be like, no, don't literally say Roger and Anita. <laughs> like, uh-huh. take uh-huh. the spirit yes. of the quote for your role playing this character, mm-hmm. and then yes, I must say such perfectly beautiful coats, and then finally, so they thought they could outwit Cruella, Jasper, Horace. Here's the tracks heading straight for the village. I really think there's a strong candidate with this so they thought they could outwit Cruella. Mm. What we have left is the ideal. And the mm-hmm. problem is the ideal is also sort of I live I for work, hers, yeah. I worship first. So. Hmm. Can, can you use a quote about Cruella from the song? Ooh, what do Ooh, you. That's, that's we, we, there's yeah. no rules. Yes. <laughs> Anarchy reigns. So what are you thinking? Uh, I, I, I don't know the song by heart, but I'm going to look it up. Um, because I do, I, I think Roger is pretty, uh, (laughs) pretty incisive. Uh, and what do we have to fill in still? Ideal. Uh, Ideal. Ideal. Or we could switch something around if we needed to. I am planning to have a couple of quotes from the song in the write-up, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, looking at this now, like it is just heaping abuse on Corella, which is (laughs) well-deserved, but not maybe super useful. insightful. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's just, but yeah. She is like a spider waiting for the kill. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen her kind of eyes watching you from underneath a rock. She ought to be locked up. I, that should be somebody else's ideal. Yes. <laughs> what about for the ideal, the so they thought they could outwit Cruella? Like, mm. not necessarily this stuff about Jasper and Horace, but that's just that so they thought they could outwit Cruella. Mm. So it's got, I think that's a very, like, telling, that's a very useful telling quote of the the sort of arrogance and the anger. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like we're in the, we're in the area with these. Cause some of these are going to get shifted <laughs> around and it depends on how you're going to use it too. like the Roger and Anita quote. Honestly, it's so good that you could use it as a bond. If you were going to give them to her as an in for the PCs, mm-hmm. like if you were going to have them be in her circle, you know, like if, if you were actually, if they were the ones who, you know, were like somehow in charge of like the winter wolves or whatever that Cruella has stolen that you need to go rescue. Um, mm-hmm. that that would work. She would have that like because because she does have a persistent relationship with Anita. But um, yeah, like I think all these are kind of pointing at the same place, and it's just a matter of kind of shuffling them. Because mm-hmm. the first thing that is great for Bond, but could equally be her ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this has to get up with Cruella's. Yeah, because because the problem is Cruella like. For the most part, all she does is heap abuse on people. Yeah, call people idiots, fools, imbeciles. (laughs) Like, so many of these lines include her calling people imbeciles. (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm looking at quotes now from uh, Mm -hmm. the movie Cruella. Ooh, Ah. yeah. Um, I'm Cruella, born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. Um, Mm. ah, The thing about power... 
that she says to the Baroness. The Baroness says, let me give you some advice. If you need to talk about power, you don't have it. And Cruella says, well, I don't have it, which is why I need to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Good quote. That's a good quote. And it depends on how you want to portray the character. Because I like that in the book, she's like deep in debt. Like she has a a wealthy Mm -hmm. lifestyle, but she is like at the end of her rope. Um, uh, Much to avenge, revenge, and destroy. Um, I want to make art, Artie, and I want to make trouble. Hmm. 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 If the idea would be something about... Uh, it's, it's the whole big of making the furs and the fashion. So this is this art for her. This is something that she cares about. So that might be something with that. Mm-hmm. And once again, this is kind of because we're bringing in this whole sort of fashion designer thing. There's not a lot of support for that in the original dialogue mm-hmm. for Hundred <clears throat> One Dalmatians. Uh, from the very beginning, I've always made a statement. Not everyone appreciated that, but I wasn't for everyone. Mm. Yeah, that could be something. That could work. That could that work. Could be something. So let me write that. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, That's, yeah. Because then you even get the sort of her. A morality. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah all so right. That's very solid. And those Corella fans out there, little little yes, something yes. from us to you. <laughs> little peace offering. His story had the ring of truth, in part. It was consistent with what little I knew of the circles where Cruella Deville made her name. If half the story was true, Deville was more a monster than most of the creatures she skins to clothe the idle rich. However, I knew his story's climax was still to come, so I asked him what my patron must be asking as he reads this account. What of the coat peddler? Wasn't that the point of your story? Ah, yes, I apologize. The coat. It is, as you may have noticed, sewn from the hide of an owl bear, which is an intelligent creature. As slavering monsters go, and unfortunately, Local enemies of commerce have made it unlawful to profit from the sale of an intelligent being. Even a coat has more rights than a peddler, it seems. But the law is the law, and I can only sell you this coat for precisely what I paid, 100 gold pieces to a dimwit named Jasper, who pulled it from Cruella de Vil herself, little imagining its true worth. He was merely seeking his agreed-upon payment for an ill-fated scheme that left Cruella lying in the wreckage of her own excesses and left her criminal associates unpaid. It began when Cruella condescended to visit an old acquaintance of lesser means and found that the humble woman and her husband were in possession of 15 most striking cubs. So the second part of the Mist Wanderer write-up is where you talk about adventures. How do you, you, okay, that's a cool NPC, but what do you do with it? How do you have adventures with Cruella? And I think you've got, once again, we kind of touched on this already. You've got these kind of three spheres she can interact with, the high society, the underworld, or the kind of wilderness. And the great thing is she can be a bridge between any of those. Mm-hmm. So like if your players are a bunch of like, nature, druids, rangers, things like that, then you kind of come into Krill as an antagonist that way, but then you have to go get her through high society. You have to, like, go to the ball and hunt her and track her down and get, get into fancy dresses and things like that. Or if you're really hooked into the underworld, well, you have to go into the wilderness to find the source of these animals he's smuggling in, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think just really... One of the things I like the most about this character is this kind of Venn diagram overlap of different areas PCs might be 
expert in that lets you then put them in these new situations. Mm -hmm. Or kind of, you've got your ranger, you've got your rogue. Together, they fight crime. (laughs) And crime, in this case, is Cruella de Vil. Yeah, you know, uh, another thing that suggests to me is that we were talking before about, like, how do you make the, the sort of the showdown with her satisfying? She's one of those characters who could be taken down by a revelation, which is a great way to mm. to use a villain mm. like that. It, it, like there, it's going to be you're just running into a brick wall as long as you try to come at her straight ahead because she has too much status, too much privilege, and if you're coming at her from the high society side, like she's the one who employs trolls. So like there's a there you know <laughs> there's a level of asymmetrical warfare happening here. But there are things about her that if they were known, she would lose her backing. Right. And so you can do, mm. the climax can be at the big party or whatever, you reveal yeah, yeah. Cruella's secret and she's in disgrace and, you know, you don't need to punch her out. Like, she's just, she's done. I think that's equally satisfying and it allows you to, like, skulk through all of her, all of her different social spheres, figuring that out. I love the fact that you would have to go through the woods and the sewers and the high society parties mm-hmm. to figure out what's <laughs> up with Cruella and how to expose her. Yeah. And the other thing I love about Cruella as an NPC is we've been mainly coming at her as a boss fight, as an antagonist. And we've mentioned this can be like the antagonist of a session or an adventure or a whole campaign. Mm -hmm. But the other great thing is we we touched on this a little bit. She can also work as a patron. Mm -hmm. That is, she can just be the weird, vampy, campy... (laughs) fashion designer patron that's hiring the PCs to do these kind of slightly ethically questionable jobs. And it's absolutely up to you as a GM if you want to, like, turn up the dial on that. Mm -hmm. If you want to be actually your monsters. (laughs) Or if you just want to have it be, it's just you're hunting these animals and it's, like, a little weird that she's making them into clothes. Mm -hmm. But she just kind of is this slightly shady you know, Mr. Johnson from Shadowrun Quest Giver that the PCs can get money from. And I feel like you have to pull the trigger on that eventually, but if you don't want to put your PCs there, you could always have it be that they find out that she's sending other people yeah, to yeah, yeah. such creatures or, like, steal people's pets or whatever. Not to jump into another Disney movie, sort of do a Monsters, Inc., where, mm, yeah. oh, there's this, like, sleazy guys you know that are also working for her, maybe Horace and Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, she's having them do the really bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that works great. And, and I think works for uh, works for Ravenloft, where if you're playing characters who have to be, to a certain degree, inured to evil and, and you know, except, like, you can't fight every battle, um, I think Cruella would work great for that. And and you may not, like, have a, this great moral awakening. She may not cross any line. It may just simply be a matter of leveling. Like, it, it might be that she's a low-level patron, and then at a certain point, the jobs are too small, and your disgust for her is too great, and you're just like, hmm. you know what? We don't need you anymore. We do not need to put up with this. I think that would that would feel good. It yeah, would be the great power fantasy of, yeah. you don't have to listen to your boss anymore, yeah. because now you, now you learned Fireball. <laughs> Or you got two attacks now, so forget forget this jerk. So yeah, Tom Tom has a list of various plot mm-hmm. hooks here, but they basically boil down to either Cruella hires you to go get an animal, or somebody hires you to go rescue an animal from Cruella, right. or maybe you're going to the Grand Masquerade and you need clothes. She has to grow up for an outfit. You can approach her too with this high society thing. If you're mm-hmm. doing the Grand Masquerade and you're like, we don't want to get disintegrated by Sidira, <laughs> and like the only like guaranteed successful outfits are DeVille originals. So we've got to go kill some owlbears and she'll make us dresses. <laughs> yeah, there's a note he- that you wrote too about um, using Hell Hall. 
as a dungeon, and I think that is mm. another great way to use her. That That is such an interesting location, such a natural yeah. dungeon, and especially if she's been a patron to the party before, it would be great to have this be like the usual meeting place and a place where you've done some things for her then becomes a dungeon. Like this is a place where you break in. This is a place where you attack, where you sneak mm-hmm. past Horace and Jasper because you kind of know the lay of the land because this is, you know, you've you've been on her side of it before. Um, and I love the fact that it is like this crumbling opulence is so indicative of her character and such a cool, any any dungeon where you can like burst through the crumbling walls, that's a yeah. great time. <laughs> and you've got kind of the expanding out with the puppies there in the movie and expanding out. So you have like these basements, you know, there were dungeons and now there's mm-hmm. all these like holding pens and taxidermy labs mm-hmm. and like, you know, sewing stations and things. And it's just, it, I always love when we find a natural dungeon in yes. one of these Disney things. And mm-hmm. that is just, that's practice. That scene where the puppies are escaping from horse and Jasper is practically a dungeon, like a dungeon <laughs> crawl scene. It's just, you break, you break into hell hall and you save the, werewolves that she's captured because they make amazing coats that shift from fur to leather depending on the phase <laughs> of the moon. Or like they're big <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to put in here because it relates to uh, how you use her in adventures and, and all that stuff. We were talking before about because the, the protagonists in the movie are dogs and so Horace and Jasper function as a different kind of antagonist than they would if you carried them straight over to, to Ravenloft. In the same way, I think the way that Cruella uses her car the way that it gives her mobility and how so much of the movie is about her, about the pursuit and about her being able to get places before them, that she's so much faster mm. and it's so much easier for her to travel. I think if you could engineer that with her um, coach, if you could make it so that like with these horses, like they're tireless, they're fast, mm. you really could create something here where it's like we don't need to fight her so much as it's that like there's business in a, like a couple of towns over and she can get there a lot faster than we can. And so – like, even if we, like, you know, get the animal that she was after and start taking it back to our quest giver, she's twice as fast overland as us. And so she's going to be hounding us at every – she's looking for us the whole way. Yeah. And then if she doesn't find us until the last minute, she can go ahead of us to the town and set a trap for us so that it becomes about, like, outrunning her. And I think that giving her that level of speed, like, you know, overland travel speed um, as well as tactical speed, it creates a tense situation that is not combat to face off with her in without having to kind of like mm-hmm. pull the trigger on a fight scene, which I think whether or not you want to do a big fight scene with Corella by giving her, you know, hunter abilities or magic items or something, you certainly don't want more than one. Whereas mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. you can have her chase you all over Ravenloft. And I think that would be, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. And even that gives you the puppies being hunted at, in that sort of last third of the movie. And that's a great sequence mm-hmm. and it's really gripping and it really would, you'd feel like it feel like a Cruella DeVille story. Like that's mm-hmm. the story we know Cruella DeVille from the most. So it would be very evoking that source material. Yeah. Her, her going through the streets of like the way that she's looking in the windows, looking for the Dalmatians in the little town when she gets mm-hmm. there, having her doing that in like one of the iconic cities or like towns of Ravenloft while the player characters are, you know, trying to hide out from her the the contrast of them hiding out and her like she could just go wherever she wants you know she has the status mm-hmm. she can just parade through the streets looking for them to like club them to, them to death at her leisure i think that's mm. that's perfect yeah so yeah in the write-up there will be a couple of other plot hook suggestions and then i also have uh, some black and white animals because <laughs> you want to have the if you want to do the full 101 Dalmatians, yes. and then she's specifically after black and white animals 
And there's a one in particular that I feel mm-hmm. is worth mentioning mm-hmm. because I went on the internet and said, what are some like black and white animals in D&D? And someone mentioned there are white tigers. And, you know, once again, can mark your bingo card for color generational reference. But <laughs> when we hear white tigers, we think Siegfried and Roy. And the whole adventure just kind of appeared in my head of like, you've got these two magicians and they're very wealthy and successful, and they have their kind of, like, palatial estate private zoo of all the animals they use in their, like, magic acts. So that's basically your dungeon, is dealing Siegfried and Roy's white tigers from their, like, <laughs> big gardened estate with all these, like, magical enchanted wild animals on it. Also, I if you're stealing... The, the animals from these two people, then the first place that my brain goes is, no, you have Roger and Anita yes. Siegfried and Roy. Because, <laughs> like, he's not a struggling composer. He's, like, a struggling animal trainer of some kind. <laughs> and they've got their, their two white tigers, Pongo and Perdita, yes. who just had their litter of little tiger cubs. Oh, and this makes... Has them. This makes so much sense, because if he's, like, a if he's like a bard or something, and they're putting on, like, a, some kind of stage performance, then, of course, he's, like, mm. writing a song about her because she's like the biggest villain right. he knows and he wants her to be like the big you know yeah yeah it makes total sense and it could even work as like oh you know either Siegfried or Roy like new Cruella and she tried to buy the, the tiger cubs and <laughs> they said no and so she went out of her way to steal their cubs to like just as a kind of get you you know walk in with the tiger the white tiger skin cloak <laughs> <laughs> the next event. <laughs> just, ah, it's all right so there. Cruella. So Cruella. And so, yeah, there you go. If you if you wondered, are we going to bring in Siegfried and Roy into this <laughs> story? The answer is yes. Also, another thing I want to call attention to on Tom's list of animals here is zebra centaurs. Yes, I mean, that's if a you zebra centaur. Yeah. <laughs> that could be, I think, an excellent escalation if you have like, a couple of other black and white animals in kind of an increasingly uncomfortable situation. And then it's zebra centaurs. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, 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 it has to be the centaurs. Regular zebras won't work. No. The texture isn't right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, that that element of like, Creatures that are very aesthetic, you're, it, there's a nice synergy there because if they're like very visually striking, the players are likely to like take an interest in them and think they're cool. Um, it makes total sense for Corella to be going after them. And D&D is not at all short of like, you know, fantastical magical creatures. And like whether you invent something like the zebra centaur or it is like you have your snow owl birds and that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. all, all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's going to be very easy to confront the player characters with an animal that's like, it makes sense that a horrible person would want to make a coat out of this, but you really can't let that happen. <laughs> so, yeah, you have Cruella as a character. You have a bunch of possible hooks for using her in your game as either an antagonist or an ally to the party or an employer of the party that becomes an antagonist. <laughs> hopefully, <gasps> hopefully you don't have PCs that are that big of a sociopath. <laughs> I have an idea. I have an idea. We're off. This is off script. Yeah. This is this is a plot hook. Fire okay, away. Go ahead. Live, baby. Um. Someone wants to, like, get animal back from Cruella or, like, get secret, like, information on Cruella to destroy her, whatever it is. They have to polymorph you all into animals to sneak into her operation. Oh, oh. that's so good. <laughs> I'm putting that on the... Yes. <laughs> add that to the chart. Then you get to be the Dalmatians. Yes. If you can cast speak with animals, then you can participate in the Twilight Park. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be... I, that would be the most fun to have PCs, like, okay, there's this wizard or whatever... 
I'm going to turn you all into irresistibly like gorgeous animals to make, you know, whatever out of. So have all the players just like, you know, what does your character think of? Like, what is an animal here? And then just, you know, turn them into this whole like motley collection of irresistibly beautiful animals. I think a lot of players would have fun with that. I love that. That's, That's fantastic. so good. Thank you. That's perfect. If you want the full hundred, if you just want to do the full hundred and one Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Then you can just be polymorph. You can be animals. Mm-hmm. You can be Sergeant Tibbs and them. Yeah, turn turn oh, it into so a spy good. adventure. Thank you for that. Codename Pongo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's our crossover with Bolt. <laughs> so yes, then hopefully I, I, I like. I think this is a good start to our format mm-hmm. for the Peddler's Tales. And once again, the wonderful thing is this gives us such a wide range of potential other things we can draw on that we can't make work in the. We're making a specific Ravenloft domain setting. So, Chris, thank you so much for that yes. suggestion, that idea, that format. And thank you for being here and helping us with talk about Cruella DeVille and how great she is. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. This has been so much fun. I'm so happy to be able to facilitate the future Home in the Range episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Chris Newton and, uh, and goodbye. Like, I'm not going to stop talking because Home in the Range is right in the middle of that, of that sentence. <laughs> so, Chris, if our listeners want to find you and the occasionally even find you talking about Home on the yeah, Range, no, it's out there. It's, it's Googleable. <laughs> yeah. Where can they do that? Uh, well, let me focus on that. So I'm not... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that I have mentioned Alameda Slim on my only current ongoing podcast, which is The Next Wrestling Fan, which is about uh, NXT wrestling it's like wwe sort of developmental slash indie whatever anyway uh that is the podcast i'm doing now it's a good podcast tragically short on alameda slim before could, could being a yodeling cowboy in this day and age work as like a wrestler character i mean sadly chikara is no longer with us otherwise it would be an unqualified <laughs> yes but i think i i think there still is a place for it yes but uh, yeah, if you want to check out the next wrestling fan, that's around. Uh, you can look up the name. It's NXT. Um, not you know, don't spell out the word next. It's NXT. The NXT wrestling fan. That is a really fun podcast. Uh, previously, I did the Gameable podcast where we talked about gaming possibilities for all the various Disney movies, including Home on the Range. Uh, mm. So you can go <laughs> check out the Gameable episode uh, on Home on the Range. Really, a testament to the the way that podcasting as a hobby just keeps giving because anyone can now listen to that episode but i never have to watch home on the range ever again um and uh, i've also talked about alameda slim as an honorable mention on hard choices which is a podcast i'm off and on uh we did a disney villains episode and so if you want to hear me you know make a pitch for alameda slim uh, not only as a villain not only as a man but as a lover then you can go to hard choices <laughs> that's it's a brief it's a brief segment but like that's a ha- that's a heck of a hook right there i mean mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. It's a pretty irresistible pitch. Yeah. Y'all did my boy Sean you so dirty in that one though. Oh. <laughs> he, he, you know what? He didn't show us he didn't show us much in Mulan. That's the thing. He 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 was like he was like one of those people who gets eliminated first on a reality show. And the people who know their work are like, oh, if only the first round had not been that stupid like make a dress out of garbage challenge. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go on a giant hard choices related tangent on Mike, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> so yes, we also have, they're going to be the Miss Traveler write-up on the Patreon for this. 
And if you like how we adapted this, we have some other works we've done adapting horror movies into D&D Adventures, uh, Ravenloft or non-Ravenloft, or Setting Neutral. And if you like the way we took this piece of children's media and adapted it into something, we also have some tips for doing spookier, more horror-themed gaming with younger players. And speaking of spooky younger people... Speaking of spooky younger people, I have a picture book, Mother Ghost, Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's exactly what it sounds like. And you can also find some of my adult work on my website, www.rachelcolor.com. This is normally in our episodes where we'd say that this is where we rejoin our narrator and find out where she's going next, but we did that at the end of Robin Hood, so you all already <laughs> you know, know where she's going next. You for, if you haven't listened to Robin Hood yet, go listen to it, and you'll find out where she's going next. Thank you for bearing with us through <laughs> our dog days of summer. We hope these kind of sample bonus episode projects were fun to listen to you as they were fun for us to make. It was a nice kind of change of pace for us, doing something different. And thank you very much for yeah being, being patient with us as we had to change the format up so that we could still be getting you stuff while not having to do frantic recording in Alabama. <laughs> but uh, next month on the 13th, we should be back to our regularly scheduled domain-centric, properly formatted script, Adventures <laughs> of Our Narrator. Until next time, thank you for listening, and happy gaming. I have enclosed the DeVille original coat that I purchased from the peddler, as well as a receipt for a hundred gold pieces and a transcription of his bizarre tale of 99 black and white cubs. Presumably, as my patron has requested anything that may be of value rather than providing a specific direction for my efforts, this will be seen as money well spent. Regards, D. One wonders what the legal definition of intelligence is in these lands. Perhaps my little servant shall encounter an original Deville made from the hide of a certain self-proclaimed hero from Elsa's. He would certainly make an excellent throw rug. No doubt this peddler's tale was highly embellished, as such narratives often are. Yet... The garment my little scholar sent me was indeed a genuine article. This gaudy bit of fur combined with my knowledge of the DeVille bloodline leads me to believe that this particular account was closer to the truth than fiction. Cruella is and always has been an amoral creature driven by her own obsessions and ambitions. I have little use nor interest in what this fur fanatic deems as fashionable. However, I am intrigued by this peddler. The authenticity of their wares may indicate other, rarer items within their possession. I expect my servant to pay particular attention to any magical items within their cart, should she encounter them again. This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are on the public domain and were obtained through museopen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Tumblr at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening.
Scorpion was the title of the Voyager episode. That's the only thing about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which they get that story wrong in the episode, by the way. Oh no! That's, oh, wow. <laughs> it's very. It's very uh, that's that's what, what a for you. what a very illustrative anecdote. They they probably had a Greek culture advisor on Voyager who who gave them the inside scoop on how that how that fable goes. Just like they had a, a, a native culture advisor. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> okay, we can't go down. Uh, all right, all right. Go down <laughs> uh, hit us up on uh, Patreon if you want us to do uh, <laughs> talking about Voyager podcast. Oh, jeez, we'll you know money. what, Captain Janeway? Yes. <laughs> pay pay up, and we'll do it. So. The wonderful world of Janeway. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> All right, anyway. anyway yeah, yeah for, God, no, stop. We're on a timer. Okay. We're on a literal on a time. timer. Okay. <laughs>